Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. This is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our theme for 2019 on Parent Pump Radio is geared to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free. Do you want to learn how to make money through real estate investing? Well, get my new book on Amazon called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. Maybe you're ready now to buy properties but don't know where to start. Then join our True Legacy Wealth Turnkey Real Estate Investing Program. Turnkey means we do it all. We find the properties, we rehab it, and we manage it for you. We're your team in the package. All the properties are between fifty and $150,000 in cash flow now. Sign up for a free membership and you'll get a 45-minute complimentary consultation. Go to truelegacywealth.com or call 805-715-3472. That's 805-714-3472 or go to truelegacywealth.com. On to our show for today. Our guest is the author of Manage Money Like a Boss, a financial guide for creative entrepreneurs, and money is emotional, prevents your heart from hijacking your wallet. She has a degree in accounting and is an active member of the Financial Therapy Association. She empowers her clients to rescue their financial dignity by co-creating a prosperity plan to decrease debt, increase saving, and direct spendings to what's really important to them. She teaches her corporate money wellness class to employees all over the country via webinar and lives in the Cincinnati area. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Christine Lucan. Hi, Christine. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You know, financial is never what most people want to go towards and learn. Right. What inspired you to do this and what inspired you to want to help people to not enable themselves and family member? Well, you know, I call myself the financial lifeguard and that's because my goal is to empower people to rescue their financial dignity. And the reason why I do what I do is because I was once drowning financially and it wasn't because I didn't know better. Actually, I had a degree in accounting. So a couple years after I graduated from college, I hit financial rock bottom pretty hard to the tune of owing three different payday lenders money. I was actually parking my car about, uh, you know, three or four blocks away from where I'd lived so the bank wouldn't come and tow it. So I, I was really in a tough spot financially. And at the time, I was working as an accountant with a degree in accounting. And a good part of the reason why I got myself in this mess was I was engaged to a guy. Um, I call him Jeff to protect the not so innocent. He had really bad financial habits that rubbed off on me. He was in and out of jobs, even in and out of jail. And I thought that if I just loved him enough that he would change, 
And unfortunately, he only got worse. And financial enabling was a big part of that problem. When I finally got to the point of saying enough is enough and I wanted to leave the relationship, I didn't actually have any money to move out. So I ended up moving back in with my dad and my stepmom. As a young adult, probably the worst thing, at least to you, is moving back in with your parents after being out on your own, you know, for four or five years. Yeah. I really felt like a failure, but it was the best thing that happened to me. It allowed me to regroup and get back out on my own. So my parents didn't lend me any money. They didn't pay off my debts. Um, but they did provide me a safe place to stay for free for a couple months with a deadline to, to get me back out on my feet. I guess it was probably about a year after that, that one day as I was driving to work, it dawned on me that I couldn't remember the last time I worried about money. Mm, wow. Because, you know, I had gotten out of that situation and, you know, things were rapidly improving. You know, I wasn't completely out of debt at that point, but I was definitely well on my way to becoming financially healthy. And I don't think I realized how much I worried about money until I was on the other side of it. And so that's when I thought, you know what, there's probably a lot of other people out there who don't even know as much as I do about managing money because as an accountant, you you have to learn all this stuff. Yeah. Do it all. I wasn't doing it. Um, and so I thought, you know, what about all the people who don't even you know, have some of this basic financial literacy on top of the fact that there are emotional and relational factors that keep you from doing what's in your best interest financially. And that's when I started getting involved with volunteering, um, you know, doing some financial literacy courses at my church. And that turned into me going and getting my certification to be a financial counselor which turned into a part-time job, which, you know, almost eight years ago, now this is my full-time business. Wow. So that's a big circle around there. <laughs> that's the short story. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a similar story, so we'll have to talk about it offline sometime. <laughs> so what are some of the warning signs that we might be enabling someone? We have all been in some sort of relationship where we think that we're going to change them or that we hope the love between the two of you is going to shine the light on it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just to uh, elaborate a little bit on, on my story, you know, obviously there were more issues than just the money. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it, it, it's rare that something is purely a financial problem. Exactly. There's, there's always some other factors that are influencing it. And that's one of the reasons why I say, you know, money is emotional and we can't, we can't ignore those things. We can't ignore those things that affect our financial behaviors. And so it was almost like in my late twenties, it was almost like I was a parent and Jeff was like my teenage son. So, you know, he would get into situations where, you know, he would need money or, he wouldn't have his share of the rent to pay the bills. 
And there was always some excuse, (laughs) you know, there was always some reason and it was never his fault. And, you know, it's like when you see that there's potential in someone and you want to believe the best, you know, I think it's hard not to help people, you know, I'm a nice person. You seem like a very nice, nurturing person. I'm sure most of the people who are listening right now, you know, as parents, you know, it's it's your job to nurture. It's your job to take care of people. Yep. And we want to help and save people, like you're saying. It's in our nature to reach out and, and try to save someone and not have them go through any hardship. Right. But sometimes our help is not helping. and. Yes. You know, unfortunately, the more that I helped Jeff, the progressively worse he became. He wasn't spending part of our rent money on weed the first year that we dated. But, you know, the fifth year that we were together, he did that more than once. So you think I would learn. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So let's talk about some of these signs that you're in this dynamic with someone. Now, this can be a situation where it is, you know, someone you're dating or, you know, someone you're married to. It could also be a parent or it could be a teenage or young adult child. Um, and that is frequently where I see that interaction going on with clients where, you know, my clients are in their 40s or 50s and they have college age and above kids who are continuing to expect mom and dad to bail them out. So here are some of the signs. The first sign is that the person expects you to help and they use guilt to try and manipulate you. So they're basically making their problem your problem. Give you a good example of this. You know, there was one instance where my ex-fiance had gotten arrested for a DUI. That was obviously his problem right? You know, we weren't married. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he made it my problem. And part of the reason he made it my problem was he was driving my car. I had to go. And, you know, so when I get this collect call from jail, all of a sudden it's my problem to get my car, you know, out of impoundment. (laughs) It's my job to come up with bail to get out because he's going crazy in jail and I got to get him out of there. I didn't have any money to bail him out. And, you know, he put pressure on me to sell some stock that my dad had bought for me for my 21st birthday. Wow. That that was worth probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, $1,500 to $2,000. Using that guilt to manipulate you, that's one of the big things where he would say things like, um, basically choosing between love and money, where he made it seem like, oh, money is more important to you than me. Well, that's not true. <laughs> First of all, he is basically saying in that situation that money is more important to him than I am because he should have known the value of that gift was not strictly monetary. You know, that was a gift from my dad for my 21st birthday. You will see a lot of that when people are trying to manipulate you and to make you feel bad. And basically what they're doing is they're making their problem your problem. And some of that is boundary issues. So I highly, highly recommend the book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. It is 
really, really good. So it was probably one of the first books that I read after I left that relationship because my counselor recommended it. Mm, wow. Because I did not have good boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us don't have good boundaries, though. Yeah. Well, and I've heard it explained this way, which I thought was very cool, where they did it as an analogy of your lawn. This would be like your neighbor guilting you into cutting their grass. That's their grass, you know, and just because their grass is overgrown and has a bunch of weeds in it, I might not like seeing that over the fence, but it's not my responsibility to go over there and mow their yard and put down weed killer. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really liked that analogy of, you know, whose responsibility is this really? Is this really my responsibility or is it their responsibility that they don't want to deal with? That's a good point. Yep. Um, the other enabling sign is the person makes the same kinds of financial mistakes over and over. So this person is not learning from their mistakes. This isn't a situation of, you know, oh my gosh, your sister's going through an unexpected divorce and she's in a tight spot and needs to borrow some money so she can put a down payment on an apartment so she can leave her, you know, crazy soon to be ex-husband. And once she's off on her own, you know, then that's it. She's good. And at some point in the future, she pays you back. That's not what we're talking about here. This is someone who constantly needs to be bailed out. They're always borrowing money. Um, and sometimes it's not even money. Sometimes they are, you know, they're coming over your house and they're eating your food. Or, you know, <laughs> when we're yeah. talking about, you know, um, college kids and beyond, I mean, I'm just like shocked at how many are still on mom and dad's cell phone plan. Yes. And, and you know what? If it's a cost saving, that's fine, but they should be paying you for that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. They're off on their own. I mean, I've, you know, I've been coaching with couples like in their forties and fifties and we're, we're reviewing their spending and it's like, I don't understand why the two of you have a 400 cell phone bill. And then I find out that all three of their grown kids are still on the cell phone bill. And they're like, well, it's cheaper that way than if they were on their own. And I'm like, well, okay, so how much are they paying you every month? Nothing. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's not cheaper. <laughs> not really. <laughs> it was cheaper for them because it's free, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if they're literally cutting you a check every month, that's totally fine. But a lot of times that's not what is happening. No, no. And with my ex, it was the same thing. There was always some kind of financial emergency. And when I stepped in to help him out, a couple of weeks later, it was something else. So it's not like he was learning his lesson. And we know those people in our lives, even if it's our children or friends or our extended yeah. family. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there's something in your body that tells you like, this does not feel right. I really don't want to do it. But out of that feeling of guilt, you do it because you don't know how to say no. Right. Well, and one of, one of the tricks that I will tell people to do, I call it the be your own best friend technique. And so whenever you've got one of these emotional money decisions in front of you is I would say, okay, Jacqueline, write out this situation as if it were happening to your best friend. You know, this isn't something between you and your college-age son. This is something between your best friend and her 
college age son or daughter and actually write out the situation as if it were happening to them and then write down as this person's best friend, what advice would you give her? Right. And then you need to take your own advice Advice. and be your own best friend. I've used that technique too. (laughs) Yes. It really does work because when you you can see it so clearly with someone else. Yep, yep. When they're doing these unhealthy behaviors, but and and that that analogy goes with anything. I've had friends contact me about guys are dating and should I stay with him? And I said, well, if you were giving that advice to me and I was dating that guy, what would you say? Run away. <laughs> yeah, another chance. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, and the other thing I tell people and. You know, I had to hear it myself. And the first time I heard it, I was, I did not want to hear it. The first person I heard say this was Dr. Phil. And this was his very first book. And it was, you teach people how to treat you. What you accept will continue. Yep. Yep. The first time I read that, I literally threw his book across the room. (laughs) Because I was like, I didn't ask to be treated that way. But it was like, you know what? You know, he would ask for money. I would argue. I would resist. He would keep at it. He would escalate it into a fight because he knew that I don't like conflict. Yep. And you break down. To a point of saying, fine. And I would cave in. So I basically taught him that that was the pattern and that was how he could get his way from me. Yep. Oh my God. You bring back memories of past relationship. (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) It wasn't just about money with other things, but you know, that same cycle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so, let me be clear. There were way more things wrong in this relationship. Uh, than yeah, exactly. Yeah. The money. Yeah. I wasn't just a financial enabler. I was an enabler, period, with really bad boundaries. Absolutely. I, mean, I get you. You're, you're speaking <laughs> to the choir here. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would actually, he would ask me to call in sick to work for him. He didn't feel good and I would do it. Wow. Okay. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. Let's get back. What would you say to those parents then who have a hard time allowing their kids to make their own money mistakes and learn from the consequences then? I like to use a swimming analogy. And part of that is just because I'm the financial lifeguard. So I like swimming analogies. So if you've ever had a drowning scare with your child, you know how absolutely terrifying that is. You know, whether it's your child or someone else's child, that's floundering in the water. Your first response is, you know, you're going to jump in, you're going to grab that kid, and you're going to get him to safety. Absolutely. Now, a responsible parent, once they get that child to safety and they get them calmed down, within 24 hours, they should be picking up the phone and scheduling swim lessons. Right? Right. Because right. you may not be there next time. You can't protect your kids. You can't say, well, you can never go around a pond. You can never go around a pool. You can't be close to a lake. There's water everywhere. Right. And so we understand that, you know, as adults, the kids in our life, they should learn how to swim. That's an important thing. And the problem is when we are financially enabling, when the person is drowning financially, we are essentially jumping in to save them or throwing them a life ring and pulling them to shore, but we're never teaching them how to swim. We're never requiring them to do any work to receive that help. So, you know, rather than throwing the life ring right over your head, I should be starting to teach you the fundamentals of how to swim. And the next time something happens, I'm going to throw that ring 
three feet away from you. It's going to require you to apply some of what you have learned to reach over and grab that ring. And I always tell parents there should be strings attached to your help. It should not be comfortable, especially for your grown kids, to accept help from you. There should be strings attached that make them want to do it themselves. Give us an example of what you mean. Here's a good example. My dad knew that my ex-fiance was, he was bad news. He knew that. For a time when I was in college, my parents paid for my car insurance. Well, there came a time where my dad said, you know, I do not want him driving your car. He's like, especially if I am paying the insurance. I think that's reasonable. Right. And so I basically said, fine, I'll pay it myself. And I went and got my own insurance. But if my dad had caved and said, you know, if I kept pushing him and he would say, okay, fine, then his help doesn't have any strings attached. Right. You know, at the time I was in my 20s, I was working part time, I was fully capable of paying for my own car insurance. He was helping me, but that help had a string attached. And that was you're the only person to be driving this car if I'm paying your insurance. I didn't like that string. And so I cut it. And that was my choice. Got it. That was one thing that my dad always taught me is that, you know, if I'm going to help you, there's going to be conditions attached to this help. And you may not like all those conditions, but in order to get this help, those are the conditions that apply. Right. So like if you're going to move home again, you have to pay $50 in rent, whatever that's reasonable there until this amount of time and you'll get a raise, you know, in rent next year or something like that. So there's a condition. Right, exactly. And, you know, when I moved back in with him, there was a condition. It was 90 days. You have 90 days to get back on your feet and get back into an apartment. That required some hustling on my part. And because my credit was shot, it also took some sweet talking to an apartment manager to say, I know my credit is a complete disaster and I can, I can explain to you what happened and I can pay you an extra deposit and whatever. But if my dad hadn't set that time limit, it would have gotten very comfortable for me to not take action. Okay. There are parents out there who are already enabling their children and that's the norm. So what would you recommend to them to correct that situation? Because we're going to see probably lots of tantrums. Yes. The first step is admitting that you are part of the problem that your enabling actions are part of the equation. Um, The other thing you need to do is have a family meeting, to have a sit-down meeting with this person and say, this has been the situation thus far. Here's why it's not acceptable. Because I am doing this for you, it's having negative repercussions for me. You know, I am taking on a problem that's not my own. You know, this is your problem. These are your consequences to deal with. They're not mine. And be prepared for them to be upset. Yeah. Be prepared up front for them to be upset. And then set up a timeline for change. So, you know, if you've been enabling someone, it's not like, okay, you have a week to get out. See you later. Um, You need to set up a timeline to change. So it might be, okay, within 30 days, you're going to start paying your cell phone bill. Or I'm going to turn your cell phone off. Within 60 days, you're going to be paying for your cell phone and for your car insurance. And within 90 days, you're going to have your own place. And then you have to stick to your guns. I mean, you have to be fully prepared if they don't pay you for the cell phone bill that you're going to turn off their phone. Because if there's no consequences, 
you might as well not even engage in this process to begin with. Exactly. Because then they know they got you anyway. So just push, right? Yes. And you know, sometimes you, you need a third party. You, you may need a counselor or a coach to help you through this. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a great idea. It's always better coming from a third party than you, then you're not this bad guy. You're doing this for their best benefit. We have a couple minutes left, and I want you to tell us about this wonderful book of yours and your free giveaway. So I really think that parents will find my book, Money is Emotional, Prevent Your Heart from Hijacking Your Wallet, um, to be a great resource. And I jokingly say it's like the least boring money book you'll ever read because it's half tabloid of my life and all the mistakes that I've made. And then the other part of it is financial strategy. But all of those financial strategies are emotional based. And what I mean by that is they are specifically included in the book because they harness the power of your positive emotions and short circuit the negative emotions so that you can actually accomplish the financial goals that you want to. And I have had parents come to me and say that they have read this book in conjunction with their kids, even as young as like 11 or 12 years old. Oh, wow. So it's okay. very understandable, even to kids who are in middle school and high school. If readers go to moneyisemotional.com, they can download the first three chapters of the book for free. That website is in the show notes, uh, along with Christine's website, which is Christine lucan l-u-k-e-n.com okay well thank you so much christine for being here today this was uh, very informative and always nice to learn more about what we can do that's even better thanks so much for having me okay and the quote of the week is from dr martin luther king take the first step in faith you don't have to see the whole staircase just take the first step have a great week everyone Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.